0: This episode was brought to you by the Thrive Factor Coach Certification offered by Thrifactor School. The certification is a unique, immersive experience into professional coaching and developing proficiency using the Thrifactor Framework and its 12 female-centric self-leadership archetypes. Being a Thrifactor Factor Coach offers a unique gift of personal transformation your clients will be filled with gratitude for. This is a genuine opportunity to engage in a world-class personal and professional training experience and become part of a community of impact makers as a licensed Thrifad coach. To find out more, email hello at thrifaddeco.com. A fabulously big hello, everybody. I am so delighted to welcome you to another episode of She Leads, She Thrives podcast. I'm Shannon Dunn, your host here, and a business and leadership coach with a lot to say about thriving and a whole lot more things. I have got an incredible guest to join me today. Now, Malena and I connected, we were just having a quick chat before, it was easily two and a half years ago, would you say? Yeah. yeah. And like yeah, a yeah. lot of the incredible guests who are not in my part of the world at all, we met online in various programs and things we've done with different coaches and different learning. And, you know, I've just always appreciated what she has to share and also sat back and watched her evolve her business and what she's doing and her focus in that time. So I've got lots of questions to ask you about that, but let me introduce you by, um, introduce Marlena by sharing her a bio with you. So Melena Tillen is a psychotherapist, relationship coach, and a self-actualization mentor for high-achieving women who want to create lives and businesses they love. She specializes in healing the relationship you have with yourself and using it to create soul-aligned business in all areas of life. How's that? Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so glad to Thank have you here. Uh, like uh, again, many of the guests that I've had on the show, while well, I have a great connection with these incredible women and I really feel like we kind of have a friendship and know each other already. This is the first time we've actually managed to have a conversation beyond, a, you know, a conversation in DMs and messenger. So um, I'm really excited about that. But it does feel like talking to an old friend for sure. So tell everyone a little bit about where you are in the world, <clears throat> excuse me, and then I'm going to dive in and ask some questions about what you were doing when we first connected and the evolution to where we are now. But first let's tell us a little bit about where you are.
1: Well, um in terms of the world. Yeah. Right. i yeah. Um, yeah, I'm in I'm in England. So I've practiced psychotherapy in England. I've got my private practice. Um and that's that's always been my passion. It's been like healing, growing, learning. And and then I discovered the online world. And I was like, oh, my God, there is just a completely different world It's so with lots of people. Yeah, so different, different. And it's
0: coming from a therapeutic background, which is very much people come to you in the clinic or in an office. And that's how you work with them.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And the dynamic is different because, like you said, people come to you. Mm-hmm. You don't have to, like, make yourself be seen or anything. It just happens. But <laughs> <Well>, it doesn't. <laughs> It just happened. There's a different kind of marketing, but it's, yeah, it's, it's different. Yeah. Um, but what I loved about finding all the other female entrepreneurs and, and ambitious women and driven people was that. We can connect globally, and like we would never have had the chance to meet, no, if it hadn't been for this no. online space and the online communities people create. And that's just the most mind blowing thing for me—the the yes. biggest opportunity yes. to connect. I, I
0: agree with you, and I, you know, the, the occasional times when you, I hear someone complaining about technology, I will often say oh, I am so grateful for it because, again, the relationships that we have been able to build, the learning we can do from each other, the support we can provide to each other. It's just so phenomenal and I'm grateful because, yeah, here we are, opposite sides of the world, literally. It's your morning in the UK and my mm-hmm. evening in, in in Australia and we're having a conversation to share with women that are all over the world we're going to listen to it at some point in time and it's just such a, a, a fabulous thing for sure. So yeah, when awesome. we first connected those, you know, as we said, about two and a half, maybe even more years ago, it was definitely in 2020, um, yes. you were mostly working as a relationship kind of mentor or really in your in your psychotherapy business weren't you Mm -hmm. you were doing online stuff and in those last couple of years or so I've seen you evolve your work as a coach and you said you know now you're more focusing on working with individuals and their own personal relationship with themselves rather than you know interpersonal relationships with others necessarily so what prompted the shift to kind of move into this area from this online perspective
1: I think a lot of my work has always followed my own personal evolution and my healing journey. So it, when I first started, say eight years ago, and that wasn't when I was entering the online space, it was very much about the real trauma work and the inner healing work. And then it went into, you know, how it affected my relationships. And that's what I then shared with my clients. And I'm still passionate about that. But what I did discover was that everything always leads back to the relationship you have with yourself. And that's the thing most people don't want to look at but it is the catalyst for everything. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. Makes so much sense to me, but I was thinking it would be good to hear what you had to say about that. And I've seen you sharing more, probably more recently, around the concept of inner work. Like I know what from my own understanding about what that means, but I wanted to ask you to share a little bit more about that because some of our listeners may not understand what that actual phrase means of inner work. So we, before we explore why it's actually important, can you give us, say, an example of what inner work would be so that the listeners can get a better understanding? We're all kind of on the same, same page mm-hmm. as we then go forward.
1: Yeah, of course. So um, when when we talk about the inner work, it's more about really understanding what's going on for you. Um, because a lot of the time, so if you have a relationship problem or a particular argument or you're stuck in your business might want to use that as an example and you just can't move past it even though you use lots of different strategies different communication skills you know you're creative in your problem solving and action taking but it's still not moving or shifting a lot of the time there's something within us that holds us back so what I then do with my clients is I have a look at all the different things that have happened in their lives and I can spot patterns and root causes really easily so that if it's something like perfectionism, yes. that would have been something that would have kept them safe as children, right? If I'm perfect, I can't be criticized. Yeah. But as adults, it stifles our creativity, our authentic self-expression, and that's why then it becomes a success block. Mm. Or in relationships, you know, you're trying to be the good wife, but it's not really authentic because you're just trying to fit into a mold mm. that was that came out of conditioning, yeah,
0: and it's not you. So, why is inner work so important then? Why is this kind of that self reflection? I mean, you and I are definitely on the same page about this. The entire Thrive Factor framework is focused on self awareness, self understanding, and self leadership. So, I, I get where you're coming from, mm-hmm. but listeners may not understand why it's important. And as you said, it's often this looking at self. Is yes. one of the most potentially uncomfortable or thing res, biggest resistances we have is to actually go and look within. So, yeah, you know, why do, why is it important that we do
1: this? Um. So, I think the reason why it feels uncomfortable is because we're not used to it. Mm. I think we we like, we grow up in a world that asks us to look outside of ourselves. What do our parents want? What do our teachers want? What does society expect from us? What do other people? Um, deem as successful and so we develop this external focus but we need an internal focus to know how we feel what those feelings um, are trying to communicate to us Mm -hmm. then what needs we have to meet right feelings are trying to communicate that Um, and that's why the inner work is important at a level of um, awareness self-awareness raising because it's easier for you to make healthy choices for yourself if you know what you want what you need, what's good for you. And that varies from person to person. So people from the outside can't really tell you, but you'll feel it.
0: It's very individual, isn't it? And I think some people dismiss that reality that it is such an individual thing. And while we can perhaps look to others and see similarities, no one is going to have the same needs or desires Mm -hmm. that we have. Yeah, not exactly the same. Yeah, might be similar. So when we're talking about female leaders, so there's the you know the ambitious souls of the world, the women that are go getters, want to achieve a lot, um, have big expectations for themselves. Why does inner work matter so much for them? You know, beyond the kind of general population.
1: Because um, because of the ambition, it's almost like they want to achieve something that's extraordinary. Yes. And yes. it's almost like if you are your tool, you need to number one maintain that tool really well know how it works and then apply it how you should apply it
0: Mm.
1: so it feels like a lot of the time when when you just you know i'm not saying just but when you're trying to meet a the expected level of success um i think you can get away with not doing as much inner work on yourself yes um not that that's good for you it's not something that I would, you know, promote, but you can get away with it. But I think it's like running a marathon with a stone in your shoe. It's not. It's it's not going to work as well, and it's definitely not going to feel good. Yeah, yeah. So you we're might looking at it
0: achieve the outcome, as in, you know, good running yeah. the marathon. But the whole experience is
1: not going to be fabulous. No. So, and that's why I feel like the inner work is the is. The, the foundational part that makes it feel good that links it to your sense of purpose that brings it into alignment with your desires mm. your gifts um, that that's why I think you have to really look at yourself so that you can use yourself in the best possible way and then the experience will feel completely different And I think the results are also always very different.
0: Yeah, that makes sense to me, Marlena, that the results of the outcome you experience can be significantly different once you have those foundations created and nurtured in a different kind of a way. I just want to talk to you a little bit more about the ambitious individuals of the world. I put my hand up as being one. Mm -hmm. Uh, I believe that a lot of the listeners for the podcast would also be people that would identify as being very ambitious, driven, you know, want to create impact, want to achieve something, as you said, that would, to the average person, maybe could be considered extraordinary. I know in my conversations with clients and women in my world that the ambitious ones of us I've often had experiences during our life where we've been judged or criticized or had someone or something, whether it's real or perceived, try to kind of contain or even squash or eliminate that ambition. What does that have in terms of an impact on the, I guess, our ability or willingness to do inner work and really look at the ambitious part of ourselves?
1: I think, first of all, it motivates us. It's almost like we're then driven to overcompensate and to prove something. I think that's the first thing. And when you do the inner work, though, it changes away from that. And it changes into um, almost like a, a sense of joy, curious joy into how much can I achieve? What can I do? What can I create? It's not so much proving any anyone or anything wrong anymore. It's more like starting to enjoy being you and being the, the creator that you are. Yeah. So I felt that shift that it goes from you know having to prove something, which comes more from you know an unworthiness issue and and lack. Yeah,
0: it's almost like if I think about about it, certainly from my own historical experience, not I don't feel like I have to prove anything anymore. But when I was younger, I definitely felt like that. It was almost if someone said you can't or you shouldn't or this is not right for you and I think as women as younger girls we often have that kind of you're a girl you can't do or you shouldn't do that then that can be a bit like a do, let me show you like I'll show you like you just wait and see kind of thing yeah. which is as yeah. said, coming from a, a space of having to prove that's not a good energy around that um, and yeah take us away from our authentic selves right
1: Yes. yes yeah absolutely because then we're trying to prove something to that person and it's um almost like something to impress them something that they value but it might not be something that we value mm-hmm. so then that's how it becomes inauthentic. Yeah
0: yeah definitely so another word that I'm seeing you use more these days is the word alignment yeah mm-hmm. um I feel like it's a word that's been used a lot, maybe not necessarily something that everybody understands what its meaning is. And I think it's a very commonly used word in the coaching, mentoring, self-development space. But outside of that, that was in different types of businesses. Alignment might be, oh, what is that? Is it a wheel alignment for your vehicle? Or like, you know, what is alignment all about? (laughs) So how do you describe alignment to somebody? And then tell us a little bit about why it's something that, you know, women leaders are, are going to benefit from focusing on.
1: Yeah. So in I, I kind of use it in two different ways, depending on the client's level of self-awareness and openness. So when I talk about my own business, it's more like I'm aiming for soul alignment so that it's more about what my soul wants to express and trusting that over my head which yeah. is where, where I was when we first met. It was like in my head and strategies. We were, and were things.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, I remember that now. It was very much about the how. How do I do this? How do I yes. do this? How do I? Yeah. Rather than the trusting feeling mm. space. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. But with my clients, um, most of them, when I talk about alignment, I help them to see that what they want is almost like they have to start there, that that's the, the, the set point. And then everything else has to align. And that means their energy. Mm-hmm. um the way they think the way they feel the way they act and that makes it a lot easier for them because if they have a clear goal in mind whether that's a career goal a life goal a relationship goal you can always ask yourself is that going to lead me to that goal is that in alignment with it do I have to think that way to achieve this is that going to make it easier or harder and it becomes more practical mm-hmm. So then it works really well when you, even when you talk about the inner work, it's like, okay, it's aligned to your deepest desire, aligned to what you want, align what, you know, you want to achieve. And then is that way of of thinking like full of self-doubt and I can't do it and I'm never going to achieve it and look at these other people and how much they achieve. Is that way of thinking in alignment with your desire? And if it isn't, you have to, you know, um, up-level the way you think, change the way you think.
0: Yeah. So for someone who may have a, a clarity on what they want to achieve, as you said, whether it's a life goal, a business goal, career goal, relationship goal, doesn't matter what the goal is, but there is something in their their world that they are really clear about that they want to achieve and they they recognize that they're not in alignment. Where do they start? Because I found that that, you know, women in my world that I would say, and not in alignment, whether that's language that they use or not, can sometimes be in a space of so much overwhelm, and having had that clarity of where they want to go or what they want to achieve, but it feels so far away, or like they just they don't have the, the personality, the tools, the the um, trainings, the, the money, the whole lot, there's like all of these things that seem to be in the way of them actually moving forward so they can be in a space of overwhelm or in that maybe unhealthy uh, mindset, energetic state, feeling state, where Mm -hmm. it's just the kind of stacking up against themselves. Where where does someone start when they recognize they're out of alignment, but they kind of just don't know what to do about it? It can
1: be. It can feel exactly like that, really overwhelming, and there's like a million things that you should be doing and a million ways that you should right? be different. It's like every time you turn around, there's another
0: list with an extra yes. lot of things that you can add to that, and they everyone will tell you that this is the
1: exact way you need to do something, and it's no mm-hmm. wonder we get confused. <laughs> yes, yes, but that's the point, right? It's again everything, all of that is external, yeah. and we're trained to focus on the external, and then we get really confused because we haven't focused on the inside. So I would start with. Um, remembering to focus on what's going on within you bringing it back like how do I feel in this moment what do I want in this moment and you start small like you might have had leftovers from dinner and you're like I'll have it for lunch tomorrow but then it's lunchtime I want you to ask yourself if this is still what you want to eat right now it might make sense in your head but it might not be what you want in this moment it might not be in alignment with your desire in that present moment and that's a massive up level and an energetic shift because you're not just in autopilot like oh yesterday i said i was going to eat the leftovers now i just have to eat it you're starting to become more conscious around what you want how you act on that whether you act on it and it's just becoming about becoming more aware about um yourself and your patterns and and your ways of being your ways of thinking so one of my um, pattern has always been going into what I call surrender where I'm like oh it's fine that will do right I settle I tolerate things I can make do with things I've got like low standards so I have I have and I always had to kind of learn to push myself Mm. if you weren't prepared to settle for this what would you aim for what would you ask for and then I had to learn to ask for things which is like the next chapter so it unfolds there is no point of perfection there is no you know pressure you have to put yourself under
0: Mm.
1: alignment is something you do in everyday life and it grows as you grow as your self awareness grows so it's about when you already feel overwhelmed you don't need you don't need a spiritual to-do list no it's the last thing you need
0: or the other to-do list right and I love that highlighted that it is an evolution. I I think that when we talk about success or attaining a certain goal, we see that as the end point of something. And yet all of the, and, and that it's almost like that we dismiss the journey, the the experience mm-hmm. of getting to whatever that is. And then that in itself will evolve. I don't think I've ever had a conversation with anyone who's achieved a significant goal that they were working towards and they've got there and gone, okay, this is it and I'm done, I'm all completely satisfied, then there's something new, a different kind of calling maybe from their soul that they're working towards. But I think there's such a an opportunity there to maybe pause and enjoy the journey more than, and as I said, be more mindful, be more conscious, rather mm-hmm. than push, 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 being, I often refer to it as being caught up in the busyness of business. Mm-hmm. Yeah? yeah, where we're just doing almost for the sake of doing, ticking off those to do lists and making new ones just because we ticked off one. Let's make another yeah. one so we can show that we're doing stuff in the proof kind of thing.
1: Yeah. 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 It's exactly how you describe it. And I've had so many clients who have achieved their big goals, but that they, they feel really depressed or mm. just an emptiness. Yeah. And that's because I see it as two separate processes. You can achieve any goal and work towards it and to do. But there has to be a foundation of being. And if you don't practice that as you do, it's almost like expecting to people. This is a common problem, right? People want to get in a relationship because they think they'll be happy once they're in a relationship. Mm. But if they don't know how to be happy, then it doesn't matter what environment they put themselves in, what goal they achieve. They haven't got almost like the skill of happiness at that point, right? So it's like a dual process where you achieve on the outside, and it's like the human doing part. But then you've got the human being part, where you have to think in terms of emotional evolution and capacity. Am I practicing, you know, happiness? Mm. Am I recognizing my smaller achievements so that I can then recognize the big achievement? Yeah. You know, can you allow yourself to be in that in that energy of of achieving, of receiving, of enjoying? Mm. Or is everything conditional? Like when I achieve that goal, then I'll allow myself to feel something. But it's almost like saying when I've achieved that goal, then I will speak a different language. But you never practice or learn that language.
0: Yeah, that's a good analogy to understand that, isn't it? It's. I, I find it fascinating that the phrase human being is, how you know, that's what a human is. We mm-hmm. describe ourselves as human beings. But how often do we actually pause and consider the actual reality or the notion of what it means to be, yeah? I think it's a big missed opportunity for a lot of people.
1: It is because, you know, you can have all these achievements and I was definitely once in that position where I felt like I ticked off all the boxes, I did all the things that I thought society was expecting of me and it didn't feel good. Yeah, yeah. Because I wasn't in it and I I wasn't present for it. I was just doing, 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 doing. And there was just no feeling in it. It was just head and um, hands, exactly. no heart.
0: The, the, the going through the motions of living,
1: isn't it, without actually
0: yeah. living. Yeah. Yeah. And,
1: yeah. And, of course, you're going to do more of that if you're not connected to yourself yeah. because there's just no motivation. There is no spark. There's nothing that lights you up to do the things in the way that you want to do them.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, completely. So, if somebody is more of a, a thinking person, as you said, like the thinking and the doing, so but without the heart, what would you recommend in terms of something simple that they could try, so they could really connect in with their actual emotional self and their, what their soul's true desires are? Like, where do we start with that? If we are so, you know, into like our ideas and our achievements, and it's all about the the headspace, the mindset, the thinking uh and being operating from there where where do we start
1: and that makes me think about where I started because that's exactly I was just always in my head it's it's also like a coping strategy you know when you've had things happen in your past I there was a lot of trauma for me so I was always in my head because it felt safer and I didn't have to feel I was disconnected so it is about reconnecting to yourself to your feelings and in practical terms what that looked like to me was. N- noticing when I was getting triggered, agitated, how I was feeling. So there is something you can download. It's called the feelings wheel, wheel of emotion. If I
0: say that, just, yeah.
1: Yes. And it's just to help you raise your self-awareness, your emotional self-awareness. Like, how do I feel in this moment? And then at one point where I would take it is like, okay, what does this feeling need? So That's that I would learn to take care of myself. So if I was bored, right, it was going to be a different response to if I felt hungry or lonely. Mm. And then you can start to align these actions with your emotional state. So I I focused a lot on emotions because I was disconnected from them, but I always felt I was a deeply emotional person, but I just had to like shut it all away, you know, hide it. And as you you,
0: said, it becomes a coping strategy or coping mechanism, doesn't it? And I think that is a, a common thing for a large percentage of people in the world is that they shut off parts of their human beingness, Mm-hmm. Um, to believing that that means that they will be able to maybe function in the world, um, mm-hmm. achieve whatever it is that they feel that like they are called to do or being asked to rise to, like you said, in a relationship, for example, being a good partner or, you know, whatever that looks like, or in business, being able to be a great boss or a great employee or whatever that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's 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 definitely... Um, about being more emotionally connected because a lot of people like had this comment last week or, like a little debate where someone said, I think people are too soft. You shouldn't focus on emotions. You should just pull yourself together. And, and that, obviously <laughs> I think about it, but not because I'm offended, but I'm like, okay, there is a point. But the point I was making was that when you, when you allow yourself to develop emotionally and it was for me, a delayed development because as a child, it was like, you know, Don't express your feelings. Be a good girl. Hmm. So then I had to do the development later on. I did it in my 30s. And it was just about knowing how I was feeling, how to act on those feelings, you know, what they were trying to tell me. But that then allowed me to be more resilient, more confident, more capable and achieve more. Hmm. Had I continued to pull myself together, I might have achieved certain things, but I felt I was burning out on it. And I think I would have just given up and just... Oh, stayed right. at the same level yeah. because it's just not sustainable, and it's also not a strategy we have to resort to anymore today. It's something we had to do in the past when we didn't have access to all the information and the practices that we have today. That's it. So, that, is- can you pull yourself together? You can, but you don't have to anymore. Right? That's it. I love
0: that too, and thank you for highlighting that because we do live in a world where, I and I hope that this is true for anyone wherever you're listening from but that there is more help out there because we are connected in the online space than there ever has been to take up some self-learning to read to listen to explore to have, to have conversations with others and also to get professional help if that's what you need uh, or choose to follow that path to help you to connect with your emotions if i think if you're someone that is completely feeling like you're stuck out of alignment can recognize some of the patterns that Marlene is sharing today, then you don't have to do it all on your own either. There are so many That's people it. out there that can help you or organizations or apps or so many options, right? So Yes, many.
1: and it ties in with what you said before as well, that even if you're overwhelmed, you have difficult life circumstances, a lack of money, it doesn't stop you from doing any of the inner healing work because there is so, such a richness of information that you can take from the internet, all the different places that you feel drawn to and then implement them in your life. So yeah. there's nothing standing in your way. And like you said, there are charities, other organisations, there's always oh, someone. So many. Mm.
0: I think the, for some people the biggest thing is actually recognising that it's time to either start the inner work or to ask for help and then allow themselves to go on a search looking for help or to receive help if someone offers it. Um mm-hmm that, you yeah. know, particularly if they've kind of not ever done that for their whole lives. Um, I'm immediately thinking of a lot of the, the different triphad archetypes where that is a behavioral pattern to not allow easily um, that asking for what you want and, and need and desire and kind of supporting that to actually become your reality. So the advocate rescuer being one of them, which is um a very common archetype amongst women and probably in that a 40 plus age group also mm-hmm. appears in younger women as well. Um, mm-hmm. But there's definitely a, a large percentage of women out there in the world that are advocate rescuers and they'll say yes to everybody, have often very weak or non-existent boundaries. Uh, don't know how to actually support themselves because they're too busy doing everything for everybody else mm-hmm. feel very are often accused of being very sensitive and mm-hmm. overly emotional but you actually could talk to them and they would say that, that they're not really emotional at all because they they don't even see that kind of your know, interaction that they're what they're putting out into the world they're so disconnected from often yeah yeah so I
1: yeah I I think that's the that's the thing I noticed that that's what actually brought me into the coaching space was yeah. you know codependency and if you see those codependent patterns a lot it's still yeah. you know prevalent and definitely something to address because it's just not a necessary way of being anymore but it is deeply ingrained in us to be serving to be the good girls to be to sacrifice ourselves and then we lose ourselves in these relationships and it just doesn't feel very fulfilling not that We're usually appreciated for it. Yes, Yes.
0: yeah. Such an interesting dynamic to to kind of unravel it all and see it from all different sides and unpack Mm -hmm. it. So just with a little shift now to talk more about business specifically Mm -hmm. in relation to the work that you're doing, and this is a a thing that you suggested that we talk about, and I loved it. It was like, yeah, I hadn't thought about it. It Makes perfect sense to me. But Malena, how can
1: we use our business as a tool for healing? So that's that's what I found the most um, exciting. When I realized in the past, it was like, oh, your relationship is like the perfect opportunity to heal. And I said, well, you have a relationship with your business. Yes. Right. So it's exactly the same thing, but it challenges you in different areas. And I think um, for me, it was about creativity and self-expression. So I felt it really gave me an opportunity to express myself more, to um, expose some things that I hadn't comfortable sharing before but also to kind of push yourself and to discipline yourself so it's like lots of different ways of learning and growing because you are exposed to a completely different challenge right running your own business is a completely different challenge Um, especially when you have to use yourself to say things to try and promote your services to receive Right. So already you can see that the inner work can stop you from being successful if you're not open to receiving. Mm. Because in your conditioning, it's like, no, you serve, you don't receive. And then, you know, it has a knock on effect on like your pricing, whether you're going to burn out, you take on too many clients. So I just felt like it was, it's just a perfect opportunity. Like the business problems show you that there is some inner work that you can be doing some healing work, some growing work, Mm. just part of your personal evolution, but it's, it's a unique opportunity to do that. Yeah,
0: I can see that for sure. And I remember in the, early days of being in business which is quite a while ago now you know going to it was probably an in-person seminar because that was what you Mm. did back then that was the word you know there were some things happening in the online world but nothing like we experience now so access to learning in a in that kind of environment was very much in person but I remember someone sharing this whole notion that being in business would be one of the biggest most impactful self-development or personal development journeys you'll ever go on and I I kind of got it, but I don't think it really fully kind of, I didn't embody it in terms of really understanding it until I was more fully into my business and recognizing all of those things about myself that I hadn't even considered would be, say, like skills or traits or things I'd be learning or things doing. And as you said, classic one is that putting yourself out there being talking to camera on video when there's actually no one to interact with on the other side. Mm. It's such a foreign concept until you kind of just do it all the time. Uh, and I know that for me, a, a common conversation I've had with some of the ambitious women that I have as clients has been around visibility and feeling mm. safe to be seen, trusting that they know what to share, what to say, being able to trust themselves and and be um, both, I guess, using their the ins and outs of pricing, but also trusting their intuition on that. So knowing, mm-hmm. you know, how to calculate from a technical perspective, but also trusting themselves and being able to feel confident to ask for a certain price and even go through the sales process. I don't know about you, but I didn't come to business having any sales skills. No. <laughs> Absolutely none, <laughs> right? So then, yeah, there's this massive learning curve, which brings up all of our personal stuff, right? If we put it into like a box and use the word stuff. Um, so, I, it's no surprise that we see so many women in business both sharing their ups and downs or their challenges, but also those that are in the coaching, mentoring, kind of guidance space, focusing on helping people that are in certain situations, like exactly like what you're doing, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And it is this, this is the thing. I guess that's where a that full blown embodiment comes in that. I was always really deeply inhibited. Didn't really share anything. Didn't want to bother anyone with my problems. And then in you know this kind of business, this industry, you have to share. And in comparison to other people, I'm I'm not like mm-hmm, as fully expressed as they are. But I feel like they are also different levels. Nice. There are different. You, you're still in control of what you share. So yeah. I don't have to sh- share in all areas. But it is about um, feeling safe to share, feeling safe to be seen feeling in control of that and knowing that you don't have to overshare. Mm. It's like you can still honor your boundaries. That's what's healing. If you feel like you have to share and you share against your will, right, just because you think you should, that's not going to be healing. That's going to be almost like a re-traumatizing experience. So that's yeah. where the fine balance comes in and the internal focus where you have to listen to yourself. Of course, it's going to feel scary the first time you do things, but it's different to going against your own boundaries.
0: Mm. No, for sure. So, I understand that completely. Yeah. Now, when you first moved into the online space, having come from a background as a psychotherapist, I bet there were not many people with your background, to, again, sharing online, doing, you know, you've got a, um, like a very active you Instagram handle. I think that's where I first kind of got to understand how much you knew and what your passion was in terms of, you know, that as so those early days of us connecting around relationship coaching. Um, and I remember, I'm sure I remember you sort of sharing how it's not a natural way for you to come and like to do a live and to share a video. And, and I remember looking at your content going, it doesn't look like that because you've got so much of it in that space. (laughs) Um, and this, I think is, is interesting because there's so, so many people, so many women, particularly, have various barriers, often some that they put in their own way around showing up, but also others that feel that they have to do certain things because it's what other people are doing. So how did you find that though shift though from psychotherapy where that was not what people in your profession, it's possibly wasn't even considered professional to get on Instagram and talk about things. How did yeah, you find yeah. that evolution and that change for yourself and that shift to moving into the online space away from what was, I guess, considered maybe even acceptable in your you know profession
1: yeah it was it was really hard at first because it, you know as a psychotherapist you're trained to be like a blank canvas and people shouldn't know anything about you
0: Right. but then <laughs> I thought
1: well those rules are like from the 1960s and of course there's some validity to it but our lives have moved on yes there was no social media back then and I thought I can't use this profession to keep myself imprisoned in Inhibition and not expressing myself, so it was going to go against my work, like the complete opposite of embodiment. That I would have to be deeply inhibited, not matter, stay in a very codependent role, and sacrifice my self-expression to serve my clients. Right, and I did not feel that that was an integrity, and I, I chose to, um, almost like go against the guidelines, Mm -hmm. right, in terms of social media usage, and I thought, well, if anything if anything ever comes from it, I'll deal with it then. But it was more important to follow my calling, what yeah. I felt I had to do. I wanted to share what I was learning, which wasn't necessarily from the books or at university. It was more like my lived experience and reading lots of spiritual literature and then using life experiences and my client stories and experiences to kind of make make it all come together because it feels like I didn't want to sit on it I needed to share it and at that point there weren't that many Instagram therapists yet now there are so it's <laughs> it's good I'm good now but it was scary back then I
0: bet it was and as you said in someone who bet, well, that's not your natural state
1: to be I guess mm-hmm. um
0: what's the words um I think you know we see a lot of people online that have these big bold loud personalities that are very naturally extroverted that's not you it doesn't mean that your voice and your truth and what's important doesn't get a space and doesn't get an opportunity to be shared but I think some of us that are quieter can feel like we get drowned out by all the noise that's on Mm -hmm. online and people that are more naturally I guess attuned from their their personal attributes to be to take up space and to have presence yeah in that kind of way. Yes
1: I have found that too in terms of Um, At first, I just thought, well, I've always been this way and it's never going to change. And I don't want it to change. Like, I don't see it as a shortcoming. I feel like I've got more like a a calm confidence just because I'm not shouty and loud doesn't mean I'm not confident or, or, you know, competent. But also that sometimes it does feel that people are still more drawn to the more extroverted people, Mm -hmm. the louder people. But also the ones in the masculine energy, which I always find really interesting in our in our coaching space, that it's all about you know leaning into the feminine essence and your feminine power, but it still feels like the top coaches very much like in their in the masculine energy. Yes, it does
0: feel like that, doesn't it? And it's it is interesting, you know, when you know I know you and I both have different understandings of, you know, um, the the kind of psychology behind thinking and feeling and behavior. To and for me, I don't know about you, um, Marlena, but. I kind of nerd out on observing behavioral responses mm-hmm. from both the people that are kind of in those certain levels in our coaching industry and self-help industry and other kind of related helping industries and those that seem to for, follow them and want more from mm-hmm. them. Um, I find it so fascinating. And of course, I'm looking at potential archetypes everywhere as well all the time. Mm-hmm. So interesting. So as a success coach, I imagine that you work with clients in a number of different ways, you know, depending on where they're at and what they're trying to achieve, but in relation to success and what is influencing their success. So tell us, what are the inner success blocks? You know, What are they? What, what are the common ones that come up? And then how do we dissolve them?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I've, <clears throat> I found four of them. There are more, but I focus on the four most common ones. And one of them was definitely perfectionism. And that has a lot to do with the external focus and having, you know, like school, right? You've got the curriculum, your your grades and everything. And so we're not really focused on authentic learning, authentic creativity and self-expression. So perfectionism will will hinder you. But then codependency is another big one. We've touched on that Mm -hmm. just because it creates such an unhealthy dynamic. It leaves you to burn out because you sacrifice so much of yourself and don't protect yourself with boundaries the one that I'm always most fascinated by now at this stage is invisibility we still try to hide yes so I'm like the way I phrased it was I think um I've got a quiz to like for success blocks and it was like wearing the cloak of invisibility Uh the cloak of perfectionism the cloak of codependency so we hide ourselves there and um And then don't get to express ourselves fully and then don't get to actualize and achieve the success. And then the other one that was, you know, the thing that I'm still looking at was surrender. We just like give up, give into self-doubt, um, right. give into strategies and following them mindlessly instead of being proactive and creative and more empowered. Yeah. So those are the four main success blocks that I've experienced and that I see a lot of my clients, you know, struggle with. And I feel I feel then... like this thing to You
0: talk about surrender. That it's it's kind of the space that people can maybe find themselves in when they think they have no choice about mm-hmm. something. Yeah, it's like as you said, yes. giving up, giving in. You know. Yes. Yeah, it is. In. It is linked
1: to like the learned helplessness earlier on during your you know in your life, but then stepping like learning um, the skill of self empowerment. Mm. That's that's the shift that, you know, goes on there where, where you, you don't really see a lot of opportunities because it's always been provided from the outside in or because you didn't have the skills or resources. So you, you have no choice but to give up. But that's a way of thinking, like a mindset you can get stuck in. And then that leads you to not look at different perspectives, at um, alternative ways of solving problems, getting what you want. And instead, you just give up.
0: Yeah. So how do we dissolve these? Yeah, you've just talked about four inner success blocks, four common ones. As you said, there's more, but I, mm-hmm. I am sure that everyone listening will identify with at least one of those, even in those very brief descriptions, yeah. might not be present as much now, but they understand it. How mm-hmm. do we dissolve them? What, what do we do about that?
1: So I think self awareness is key. You have to like raise your level of awareness when that shows up, when it holds you back, how it holds you back. Mm. It can be useful to know why, but I've found that that's more like it's just it's a nice to have. But if you can't, you know, uh, lead it back to a, a source, that's not a problem. And then you have to commit to your desire, who you want to be, what you want to achieve, because that's the motivation you need to break the pattern of that success block. Mm. Mm -hmm. but what I usually do with my clients and myself is always find a different coping strategy so I don't take a coping strategy away without replacing it with something else that's more helpful and healthy and more loving so it's about finding that and again that's fine-tuned to the client some people you know need something cognitive like a new mindset a new perspective other people need skills of self-regulation So we focus more on the body and the and the you know how they feel and then other people obviously is more emotional regulation self soothing so it's different skill sets that then help you to break that old pattern develop a new one so that you can achieve what you want to achieve
0: yeah and I think there is something around the whole notion of being ambitious and wanting to succeed at a as you said an extraordinary kind of a level Mm -hmm. that can often bring an urgency to things yeah so for people that are in that space and starting with the inner work you know dissolving their you know the blocks that are coming up how do you find they are in relation to how fast they think something should happen as opposed to the reality of what it it actually can play out like
1: yeah it's it's this is one of the most common problems no matter even if I'm not working with ambitious clients yeah it's like how am I progressing how am I doing I'm like you know, when am I going to be over my heartbreak? This kind of thing. It's like, it's always like the the rush and everything. And obviously we don't want to linger in bad feelings. That's not the point. Um, but it is about letting yourself go through experiences compassionately mm-hmm. without added pressure. Because that pressure add, adds more anxiety. And then it's harder for you to actually process the real feelings because you've got another layer of anxiety on top of that.
0: Yeah, you've got something So
1: it is got... about... Yeah, learning to like, yeah, yeah relax, relax more, regulate, deal with anxiety, watch your mind when you have, I would just go stay quite practical and superficial with it and go when you have those kind of rushing urgency thoughts, trying to fuse from them, let them go, they're not helping you in that moment. What else can you think of that might be helping you more right now? What will calm you down? What will help you, you know, put the next, take the next step? Yeah. Just keep it in that moment. Yeah, and that makes complete sense. I often
0: talk with my clients and teachers in a lot of my master classes and programs. Something I refer to as the lens of curiosity. Yeah, so it's when something comes up that is a um, a thought, a feeling, an emotion that doesn't feel helpful or useful to pause and to go. I see you, or you know, I I I get I'm hearing you again. I wonder where you've come from today. I wonder what you're trying to say and look at it as an invitation to pause, not to respond or react, judge, criticize, those kind of things. Mm -hmm. And I always say that along with the lens of curiosity is the lens of compassion for self. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So be kind to yourself, particularly if you've spent decades of responding or reacting to something in a certain way, you aren't necessarily going to undo that overnight. (laughs) That's (laughs) it. Yes. Yeah. So so interesting, isn't it? I love it. So, Maria, we're coming towards the end of the podcast, but I've got some specific questions I'd love to ask you now that I've been asking all of our guests, just to bring us back to this whole notion of she leads, she thrives, is about leadership and also about thriving. So, firstly, I'd love to know what role leadership plays in your life and business.
1: Um, For me, it's at the moment, it's focused on self leadership. Yeah, it's definitely it definitely hasn't been my most developed skill. So that's the the area I'm focusing on, because you have to learn to lead yourself. When you wake up in the morning, and you don't feel like doing anything, you have to learn to lead yourself. Right. And it's not pulling yourself together. It is leading yourself, there is a big difference. I think that leading yourself is focused on Like being connected to your purpose, Mm -hmm. to what you want to achieve next, Mm -hmm. it feels bigger than just dragging yourself out of bed and putting clothes on. Leadership is more like, how can I lead myself in that way? Like you would expect a leader to lead a group of people or a business, but it's just directed at yourself. And, um, it feels like the hardest thing to do sometimes.
0: Right. That's the and I think what yeah. was it? I remember listening to um Mel Robbins and her was it her five 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 second Accessory. rule or something? Yeah. Yes. And I remember thinking how useful that would have been to so many people as it was whole that like you know, basically it was a kind of a, a tactic for leadership of, you know, you can mm-hmm. lie there in bed, hitting the snooze, you know, almost procrastinating about getting up, thinking about all the, the bad things that could happen in the day. Or you can count, you know, five, four, three, two, one and and act, like take Mm -hmm. action. And that Mm -hmm. felt like such a simple way to start taking ownership, responsibility Mm -hmm. and leading. Yeah, There's so many great examples out there, but that one always stuck in my mind because it felt so like it would be so, as I said, so useful to people that were stuck and just didn't know where Mm -hmm. to, 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 to start with there. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you definitely around the self-leadership and I find it interesting that so many people talk about leadership in an external sense because often that's their only exp- understanding of leadership has been, mm. you know, we've been told about leaders and they're all people that, you know, have big groups of people that follow them and these kind of things. And yet, what quality of leader can you actually be without self-leadership? That's kind of the mm-hmm. question I'm more curious to to get yeah. insights into. Yeah. So, Marlena, how do you know when you're thriving? What does that look like for you?
1: For me, it's a feeling. Yeah. Like I can be thriving in any moment, which makes me feel more empowered and less dependent on outside circumstances. And that always feels like the most secure foundation mm. to try and pursue success from.
0: Yeah.
1: It's not always like that, right? I don't, I don't want to like paint this picture of perfection. I don't always feel like that. Um. But that's when it feels like I'm really thriving, when I'm just feeling mm. so happy and I'm feeling confident and calm and I have nothing to prove and I can just create for the sake of creating and it feels because that's what I'm I was born to do without it being attached to any numbers or results. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, I get that completely. I think it's interesting. Um, Just kind of, we can just kind of take a side step here, which I love to be at that we can do this in in these conversations is, and particularly with your background in psychotherapy, that you have a different viewpoint and different understanding, both from a, a, a theoretical and an intellectual perspective, and then your lived experience, that sometimes we can get I can't, what is it? So it's almost like a misunderstanding of what success may be or what even thriving may be because mm-hmm. we're focused on, and this is definitely reinforced by that self-development industry of um, that everything has to be p- like positive, perfect, high vibe. Mm-hmm. And yet what I've come to understand through my own experiences is that I can actually be having a really terrible day and I'm still thriving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that we yes. hear the, those emotions of, we can have the, the both feel happy and sad at the same time and it doesn't mean anything yeah? yeah so is there anything you want to comment about that again from your
1: expertise yeah so absolutely i feel like what i'm aiming for is real
0: mm.
1: and and being a real human being means that you have all the feelings at random times sometimes things don't make sense and there is beauty in that and you can like you can feel terrible but also wonderful and grateful at the same time and, and that's the duality that people describe but that's why I think it's so important to embrace being human yeah. whilst pursuing success because that's that's the magical ingredient yeah love it all right
0: so how can people connect with you where do they find you we will make sure all the links that you've given us are available in the show notes but mm-hmm. tell us now so anyone that's listening that wants to take action and go and find you online where's the that's best way all- to do that
1: well my website is epiclove.me and if you put like forward slash success you've got two different versions so one's more for like success and then healing the other one for relationships but I'm on Instagram I'm at love with clarity and the other one I gave you is like soul aligned success so again one's more for relationships one's more for success and self-actualization so I just wanted to keep that separate.
0: Yeah that makes sense completely so if you're interested in one or the other or both, you've got options there to go and follow those. That's great. And so, through the this, the, you know, the lens of your expertise and what we've talked about today, what's a final piece of wisdom that you'd like to leave for the ambitious souls? Because they're definitely part of the big part of my community that are tuning in, and listening to our conversation today.
1: I think it's to remember that the magical ingredient is always you. Mm. because if you the more of you you can be the easier it is to attract the right kind of people the right kind of clients partners into your life so it is about embracing yourself um just allowing yourself to grow more into into yourself yeah I also think that what
0: often gets missed in the it's hard to be me or I don't know what it's like to be me is that it's actually easier when you recognize or when you can see yes. you know who you are and you can allow yourself to be more of you. It is so much easier. It so is, anyone who yeah. feels like it's it's not huh, not possible, trust us, it, it is for sure. Yeah. yeah. Very, very okay. cool. So thank you so much for your time today. It's been so fabulous thank being you. able to chat with you finally in this kind of a way and to create a, a conversation that we can share on She Leads, She Thrives. I really appreciate it, Marlena. And um, finally, as I said, it feels like a long time coming for us to actually have a conversation, but hopefully it'll be the first of many over the years. And listeners, thank you for tuning in and and you know listening to what we had to share today. If you feel uh, that you want to know more, or you feel motivated to take action in some way or to reflect on something in some particular way, I encourage you to do that. Don't just enjoy the listening, definitely enjoy what you hear in every one of the episodes that we have on She She Thrives, but do something with it. That's gonna really create a richness in your life and really, I feel, really support you in the thriving that you're potentially trying to achieve and the success and whatever that looks like. And I also'd like to leave you with this reminder that you were born to thrive. I truly believe that. And I will continue to be the cheerleader for thriving around the world for sure. So thanks again, everyone. Thanks, Marlena. Have a beautiful day wherever you are in the world. And I look forward to being back in your ears, in your um, podcast feed with a new episode very soon. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. You are so valued and appreciated. Aside from this podcast, my favorite place to hang out online is definitely Instagram. So come and join me, Shannon underscore the Thrive Factor. And no, my DMs are always open for genuine questions and connections. For all the latest Thrive Factor goodness, visit thrivefactorco.com forward slash links where you'll find more about thriving in life and business. Be sure to subscribe and rate the show and share it with your friends. Let's amplify thriving the world over.